So welcome back, friends. We're trying to do a little bonus episode here. We've kind of had the goal of releasing episodes on the second and fourth Saturdays. And sometimes we get to a point where we're like, you know, we want to just give you a little bit extra. And since we're a few episodes in, we've had a chance to talk with some interesting people and start this journey together. Sam and I wanted to just take a little bit of time to debrief on some of the things we've heard, highlight some themes, and connect them to our own experiences in the classroom, and just share a little bit of our reflection with you and let you in. So Sam, what's something you've noticed across these three podcasts? So one thing that really resonated with me was that what we have been doing for years and years in science education might work for some people, but across the board, a lot of kids were being left behind or hated science and then continued to hate science their whole lives. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, when when people first meet me and learn that I'm a science teacher, the most common thing that is said as an immediate response is, oh, I hated science in school. Yeah. Or at best, they're like, well, I hated science. I liked I liked my biology teacher, you know, (laughs) like they might have connected with a person, which tells us something important. But but yeah, it's very, very lots of vitriol. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry was my worst subject. I hated it. And I it makes me sad that so many generations of people left school just thinking like science is this thing that I don't really like. And I don't really have a need for it. And maybe there's a better way that we can be engaging more of our students to help them realize that science is just like all the things around us, like all of the natural curiosities that we see something and we wonder like, why does that happen? Why is it like that? I wonder why this does this. All of those things, a lot of times the answer is something scientific. And for some reason in school, we've gotten away from that. And have kind of made people turn off to science or specific sciences like chemistry and physics a lot of the time. What do you think? Have you had any experiences like that? Yeah, I I loved how you started listing off those questions because I hear those and I think about them and I'm like, those are great questions. Those are questions little kids ask. And something that I, I started mentioning this to my own students a couple of years ago and I'm like, you, you guys, as little kids, at, used to ask so many questions. And wh- where'd that go? And they're like, well, that's not really what you do in school, mm-hmm. which that, you know, that that was a great thing, like a, a great entrance into, well, we're going to do that now. But but yeah, I don't want to pretend that I am an expert in the sense of like every student who's come through my classroom came to love science and, you know, had a great experience because a lot didn't. And, you know, I started out first year's rough for everyone and got a little bit better each year. And what I really started to see, though, is I, I think Grace mentioned it's really the some of the highest performers who struggle the most with some of the reform approaches. And I think that tells us something important. I think that tells us that the types of things that we've been doing not that they're all bad, not that they don't have some value, but that it's doing school and we want kids to do science, which is something that from an early age, they've got some aptitude for. They've got some aptitude for asking questions, for finding patterns. And then at some point, 
we start to tell them that in school, it's not really about those things. It's about other stuff. And, and I, I think about one student in particular who, and this, this was pretty early in my teaching career. This was one of the first wins that keeps you going. They, we, we got through a good chunk of the semester and the student wrote on some sort of reflection. This is the first science class I felt smart in. And I was taken aback because I'm like, this kid's a rock star. Like the, the student is always putting their ideas on the table and they don't always make sense right away, but they, they're helping the class move in productive directions and put stuff together. And I looked at that student's previous science grades and they were all in the tank. Mm. Like, well, that, and there's such a disconnect there. And so that little example was one that just kept me going that like, okay, this is getting kids that other things don't. And even when it doesn't work fully, you still have moments where students show some sort of brilliance that they probably haven't had a chance to show in science class before. Thinking all the way back to my first year, there was another student who I was trying to do some storyline type stuff with space as a context. And he asked a question about, it was some sort of question about gravity. I don't remember what it was, but a co-teacher in the room was like, well, that's, that's just kind of a ridiculous question. Mm -hmm. And it was the perfect question to get us right at the science we needed to get at. It was just perfect. And if I hadn't been like Grace said, listening to the students and trying to get those ideas from them to find out what they really think about the world and wonder about the world. Um, that that never would have happened. Yeah. Since you brought up students' questions, that made me think about something else I've noticed a lot in my students is that they're so used to playing school and being nervous about if what they're about to say is right or not, that they'll sometimes like preface their question. Like, I don't know if this makes sense, but what about this thing? Or does, I don't know if this really connects, but I was thinking about this after I heard what Sally mentioned and it, every single time it's like so well connected and something that like no one else in the room even thought of. But once they said it, other people were like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or like that made me think of this thing that they're just not sure and are like very nervous because if they're not right, then like then they're not smart or like then they can't do it. I think this is helping them to unlearn some of those behaviors and helping them realize that they do have good ideas and they can ask questions that help other people. And I think that's a really important lesson to teach kids. Mm -hmm. And I want to highlight, even if you're really skeptical of inquiry-based things in general, because you're like, well, it takes so much time and all those other concerns that we as teachers legitimately have. I want to really highlight like at least getting students' ideas on the table is such a powerful thing. And something else that's arisen as a theme for me across these these conversations we've had is learning is making progress to understand things that we care about. And I think a really key part of that that I think we're starting to see in other areas of education research too, and other initiatives happening in classrooms, even if it looks different, as you think about culturally responsive pedagogy, et cetera, is that students have to care and it has to be something they can connect with. I think back to a student who, that this was when I was, I really didn't have any stuff. I was trying to put stuff together and like, oh, you know, this is a pretty boring lesson about electricity type stuff, but I'm going to spice up and I'll just have a little prompt at the end 
to have them look at uh, a graph of utility bills and interpret it like that. That'll be a nice little real world connection. And looking at this graph that did come out of nowhere, like we had not been talking about where does our electricity come from or anything about that. A student is staring right at this graph and he said, when are we ever going to use this? And it was literally a real person's utility bill. And so like, like we can laugh at that. Right. But at the same time, like I had not set him up to care about that, to help him think about how that connects to the world. So it was just another thing out there. I think sometimes we get a little bit negative about them. We're like, well, they just care about TikTok. They, they don't actually want to engage with the world around them. That is 100% not true. It's in there, but we have to, we have to find the right hook and not just a one-off hook, but something ongoing that is actually puzzling for them. And I think sometimes we underestimate what kids are aware of now that they do have access to the entire internet and can see what other people their age are talking about on TikTok or other social media. Like sometimes something that we bring up in class as a phenomenon, they're like, oh yeah, this is happening in this other place. And I heard this person talking about it. And it makes me think of this thing that happens at my work after school. And mm -hmm. like these connections that kids are making to phenomena that happen out in the world that if we didn't ask them or give them an opportunity to relate to them, we might never know that they have these connections. And I love what you said about relating to it, that we give them opportunities to, to make these connections initially. And those connections can be really helpful in those early stages as we're trying to explain something. Like as an adult, you see something in the world that you want to understand. You connect it to other things you know. We deserve to give students that same opportunity. Now, it doesn't mean that like, you know, the critique of that is that how can students learn things if they're not taught them? It's like, it's like saying you figure out the recipe on your own. But the difference is students, by getting those ideas out on the table, those are useful pieces they can build from and say, well, we're not sure about this one, so let's, let's get some evidence for it. And then that evidence can be a really powerful way to filter out, okay, here are the things we thought initially that really made sense. Here are the things we thought initially that now we understand why they don't make sense. Mm -hmm. That connects a, a bit to the first point we were talking about too, like if we are taking away the need to be correct on the, your first statement, then anyone can share their initial ideas. And then we can, as a class, work together to find evidence for or against these things. And it's not like, well, Sam was wrong. It's like, we found out together that this idea doesn't make as much sense as this other idea. And then it becomes our idea together instead of like one person was wrong and now feels like they can't share anymore. Yeah, that shared mission that you highlight there, I think is really important. I, I think back to one colleague in particular, social studies teacher, who had this tremendous gift for building culture and getting students on board with anything. That's not me. I need a purpose. You know, I, I feel like a lot of us like struggle with that. And part of it is we we need a purpose. It needs to be driving towards something because we're not good at the, at the rah-rah thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like... If we have that, we're actually trying to make progress on something together that makes us a community that doesn't make us just a bunch of individuals who are stuck in period B together. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that also connects with something I've heard from all three of our guests so far that figuring out science ideas in this way 
is fun. It's fun for students. It's fun for teachers. It's not just coming to class and taking notes or reading a section of a book. It's like together we get to figure out what we think and what we want to do next. And then we get to do that thing. And that's really rewarding. And I think that gives a, a really good sense of like, I can do this. Maybe I can't do it alone, but I can I can figure this out. That feels fun. That feels like I want to come back to this class and continue to do this work with my peers. Mm-hmm. It really helps. I mean, this is a little bit of a, a double-edged sword or a double side coin. I don't know. Something with two things. In that, like, yes, sometimes it's a little bit hard because you got a bunch of sections and they they want to do different things because students are unpredictable and they might be trying to take the investigation in different directions. But the fact is giving out the same notes five times is not fun. And if you think that's fun, good for you. But it's something that I think is hard for most of us to get into. And if it's hard for us to get into it, sure as heck is probably difficult for some of the students to get into. Whereas if we're all doing different things, we're actually like proposing investigation plans and everything turns out a little bit differently because everyone has different, slightly different ideas. That as a teacher is just incredible. Like you you start to see things from angles you never would have thought of before. And also like, it's fun in that kids ask better questions than we do, Sam. Like, like I think of probably the couple people who... I've had a chance to sit down and have a real conversation with who are like closest to the tops of their fields and or or of the several people like that, several of them pretty much just ask questions. And whenever you bring something up that they have more questions, it's incredible. And we can get kids to do that before they have bills and stuff and, you know, get the life crushed out of them. (laughs) And so that's that's really incredible and and just great to be a part of. Yeah, I think it's also pretty telling when you have other teachers that teach other subjects coming to you and saying, what are you teaching about radium girls? Like these kids are asking me all these questions about what do I think about radium girls? And I don't know, like we're talking about this in chemistry and I want to know your ideas or like at open house when parents come in and say, they know what we're doing (laughs) in chemistry class. I think that alone is pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty telling that kids are enjoying their time. If they're going out of your room and continuing to, to discuss and ask questions and, and get opinions from others that aren't in the room with them. Yeah. Now thinking about that, like it is never as smooth as we sometimes like to make it sound. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like it, it's that there's always a lot in theory. And I, I like to say when I'm facilitating professional learning that like students are chaos agents, right? Like they're going to do things that are unpredictable and the other parts of teaching don't go away. But some of those parts of teaching, like how you structure a classroom discipline, make a lot more sense when it's not you broke this rule. It's, hey, Like, you know, you were acting in such a way that like made it harder for us to work toward our goals as a class. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, that that adds a little bit of ease to it. But still, I think about, you know, now we've got there's high quality middle school curriculum out. There's good chunks of good stuff out there for high school and more coming out every few months. But there's still a lot to do. Yeah, it seems like 
in the early years of NGSS, a lot of people were trying to scrounge things together on their own or with people in their buildings, which was super hard and overwhelming, quite frankly, to try to do all of that with such a, a small amount of people. And now that NGSS has been out there for a longer period of time, there are bigger groups of people who have learned the things that a lot of times work really well and are putting that out in the world for other teachers to use. And it's even with that stuff, it's not going to be perfect every time, but I think we're a lot closer than we were and we have a lot more resources to fall back on than we did in the past. And like Grace was saying in episode three, like the first time you do this, it's not going to go perfectly. Focus on one thing and try to get better at that. And then the next year you can have a different lens that you focus on and continue to grow your practice over time. And I, I think all the little strides that we're making are worth it for the kids that are in our room at that moment in time, even if what we're doing is not what we maybe think of as the perfect teaching experience. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to be the perfect instructor, which doesn't really exist, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still spend time and I think about things I did seven years ago that now I would do totally differently. And that's not super productive. Tara said that too, that, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect the whole time. You, you got to face stuff in a little bit and try stuff. And every time you, tr you work through a unit, you're, you're going to pick up something new. And, and I guess from a collective standpoint, I just want to highlight, like, I feel like we, we need to keep in mind, we all have the same goal here, which is we want students to understand their world and appreciate their world and understand and appreciate each other too. And as someone who's spending their, their days doing curriculum design for the most part now, you know, I, I see my role as let's get some stuff out there that then teachers can kind of get to know it, see what's all in there, understand the depths, and then start to play with it and make it better. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, you know, this is pretty good, but what if we did this? And that's the beauty of some of the open educational resources that are coming out too, is just that I think they emphasize this philosophy of we we are in this together. We're trying to do the same stuff. And, and as a designer, I, I really look forward to the day where I, I look back at the stuff I'm doing now. I'm like, you know, that was okay. But since then, 20 different people groups have come out with stuff that's 10 times better. Yeah, I think the more iterations that materials get, the more eyes and minds that get to work with it, the better and more complex and more relatable to kids it becomes. So it's almost like it's almost like if we're trying to figure something out together, we make progress. And the more time we spend investigating these questions, the more progress we make. Imagine that. <laughs> The same things kids we want kids to do if we if we focus on those as educators together then we can make the whole field better go team go team so we have a lot more planned for the future of this podcast but we wanted to take a second and reflect on the beginnings but let us know what questions you have what reflections this has made you think about and we're, we're really excited to get to talk to more people who are trying out these things and, and share the conversations we're having with them. Thanks for listening. Our music is Rainbows by Scott Buckley. Mm -hmm.